Welcome, Building Brands listeners. For our 10th episode, I'm joined by Juliana Argis, social media strategist, and Taylor Friel, designer from Mortar. Mortar is the leading inspiration gallery and networking site for commercial construction and design, where anyone can find inspiring commercial projects, source top products, meet leading pros, and collaborate to move projects from dream state to brick and mortar reality. In this episode, our conversation dives into the importance of creating connections with your audiences through social media, what to expect when committing to a social media strategy, and how to measure its effectiveness. Enjoy the episode. If you're an owner or marketer in the building materials, manufacturing, distribution, or contracting spaces looking to set up your brand for success now and in the future, this is the podcast for you. On this show, we talk about brand and market strategies used in the real world that grow companies and truly connect with consumer audiences. So sit back, listen in, and let's get to it. Okay, welcome to my two guests from Mortar, Juliana Argis, social media strategist, and Taylor Friel, designer. Thank you guys for coming on. It's awesome to have two people on the podcast again. I did this once a couple months ago, so this should be fun. Why don't we start with you guys giving us a little background on where you've been in marketing and and design and and how you've gotten to where you are with Mortar now. Taylor, why don't we start with you? We'll have you kick it off and then we'll go over to Juliana. Yeah. Hey, Tim. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. So I have been at Mortar for two and a half years. Before that, graduated college in a graphic design background, moved out to Colorado and basically was doing freelance for a couple of years and anything from social media for a health company, logos, web, website design, anything I could get my hands on. Basically, I was doing I even started my own little outdoor apparel brand that I still do today. So that's nice. kind of fun. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I had a connection back in Minnesota at Mortar and he reached out and asked if I wanted to join the team. That was in the very early, early stages of Mortar. So I took the leap. I moved back to Minnesota. And I've been there, yeah, for two and a half years now. And so basically, I make anything visual, digital, digital print collateral for Mortar. Try to make people fall in love with the brand and just try to make us look cool. It's basically what I do. And Juliana, how are you involved in Mortar from the social media side? Um, I am the social strategist. I think we went between strategist and specialist for about the first three months of my of my time in Mortar. But social strategist here, it'll be one year coming up in June and just love and life. My path is a little less linear than, than Taylor's. Um, my degree is actually in psychology. And then I owned a photo and video production company with my husband for a little less than a decade. So doing all of the social content, marketing, stuff for that. I was basically born and raised into the built industry. My dad's a salesman for Mohawk Industries, which is a large flooring company. And so I ended up as an executive assistant there doing a bunch of stuff for them. Um, And then (laughs) was actually fortunate enough to be a Delta Airlines flight attendant as well. So that was really my like first glimpse or front row seat at what I would consider some of the best of the best in in marketing and voice and brand, um, in my opinion. So really got a front row seat to how they do things and how they make people fall in love with their brands. And I kind of fell in love with that process. So there was an opening at Mortar, 
kind of similar to Taylor, had a friend that was that was already there. And uh, now I get to use the things that I've learned throughout my years of all that different experience in the seat that I'm in now. And it's my job to get people to fall in love with not only Mortar, but the companies and the brands that are on Mortar showcasing on our site. And then um, I'm also the resident like dog treat desk in the office for our HR dog, Birdie. I feel like that's that's an important part of my role as well. So you yeah. guys have a lot of alternate specialties that you yeah, contribute yeah. <laughs> to Mortar. It's it. What's interesting about both of your paths, I think, is uh, relevant to this topic is that, you know, Taylor, you're from design and production, but you also, with that side hustle, had to do marketing and content and understand that aspect of the execution too. And then, Juliana, you started in production and then also were helping with, you know, some of the execution and that brand outreach for, for your business too. And that's kind of put you in a really good position. I'm sure that's why Mortar brought you guys on. So that makes a lot of sense. And Juliana, you were talking a little bit about serving the clients and companies that Mortar works with. But you guys also mentioned that Mortar is a little bit of a younger brand and a younger company. And what they're what are they doing for the, the industry itself? Maybe you can start there and then talk about how you're supporting the companies and brands that are working with the Mortar brand. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard when someone asks us to explain like what it is that Mortar does because no one is doing what we're doing. So it's hard to give an example. Like we say Mortar is like house, but for commercial. That is basically one of the only ways we can compare it to something else that's out there already. So it's just the single online source for inspiration, products and pros like end users and then the professional side. So it's a marketing platform essentially for professionals in the commercial construction industry to showcase their projects and products. And so we, I don't want to say struggle, but we struggle with uh, how we explain that to end users and then how we explain it to the other side, the B2B, like the brands and the pros that are showcasing their work. Because we have two audiences that we're trying to push this platform out to. You know, anytime you're you're forging into a space that no one has done before, there's that tension of trying to meet them where they're at while bringing them into something new. And that's really where we've seen success, but also difficulty in in this. You know, the the industry is so old and so many like generations passed on and and you're trying to meet these people who have watched how their parents and their parents' parents have done business and you know whether that was a handshake in a in a storefront or a trade show or whatever and and moving them to an online platform where everyone is accessible and i think that's the cool thing like taylor was saying about mortar is that like we exist for everybody you know we have the top firms on our site, but we also have those mom and pop shops. And we really want to level that playing field for commercial design so that everyone can be seen, everyone can be heard, and their work can be shared. How did the founders come up with the idea that the commercial side needed this? You mentioned how it's sort of like housed for the commercial market. What was the gap that was missing for these companies that are primarily serving B2B and on the commercial side that that you guys helped fill? One of the founders, Abby Murray, she started out with a small marketing agency and they were doing a remodel of their office and they were trying to find products and then pros to work on this project. And 
they struggled with finding those or going down a rabbit hole of like going on Pinterest and, oh, I like that sconce on the wall. Where is it from? And then they click a link, click a link, click a link, and just go down this deep rabbit hole and not be able to find where this actual light is from. You can never find it. No, no. <laughs> Pinterest, Pinterest is great for looking at pictures, but it's terrible for finding the links. It's yeah. always that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had small interior design projects that they worked on for other clients and found the same struggle. So that's where the idea of mortar came up. Just having one single source that you can find all this inspiration where pros can showcase all these. The beautiful imagery is what makes our site and actually having links, whether they're to Material Bank or to BIM. Mm -hmm. People can actually find what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. I had the CEO of BIMSmith on earlier in the, in the second episode, I believe. And, you know, that's one of those things where if you can help the architects and designers do their jobs much easier, it makes them more prone to want to work with a company that's giving them those resources. So from an inspiration standpoint, actually finding the products that they're looking at from the imagery, which is a whole nother issue that we could talk about <laughs> with having the right installation photos and example case study photography, not and even in that case, going one level up, actually having good product photography too. Yeah. When you're talking about design and collateral, whether it's print or digital, the photography and the copy carry everything. You have people like Taylor that are able to put that together into the best combination that you can from a layout perspective, but without good copy coming from really strong brand foundation and having good installation photos, it's not going to come out very useful. So that was a, that's a very good point too. I like the idea of that inspiration tool. That's just another resource that you can actually provide your your potential customers for, you know, not only can you get the inspiration, you can find the link to the product. And then on top of that, you can grab the BIM files and throw them into your spec sheet. So that's really cool. The, the two of you, your primary job at Mortar is to, like you said, make people fall in love with the brand and keep them engaged. Not only the companies that you're working with from an activity and engagement standpoint, keeping them active, but also the people that are on your site, the designers and the architects looking for that inspiration. What are you doing to keep them engaged through their research phases? We like to say that we're the we're the info behind the inspo. Um, we really want to be that robust search engine that exists solely for them. It, it's similar to them going on to LinkedIn or Pinterest or Google even. We just want them to be able to do all of what they need to do in one place. And so really the interactions between... We've, we've got what we call tags on the site, which is really linking that product information as well as the professionals behind it. So you're going to have a manufacturer on the site, but you're also going to have that manufacturer's rep. And so really, I can sit in my office in Minnesota and see that sconce on the wall find the brand that creates it, but then all, I can also find a professional to come install it for me. And so really that interconnectivity is what drives the site. And that's what hopefully keeps people engaged while they're on it. And then they're also, I mean, there's lots of different tools. They're adding things into design rooms to keep them connected to their clients, to keep them connected to their teammates, their team members. You know, you can do a whole slew of things right within the platform. So, And from your end, you're also trying to draw in people to participate in that process, you know, 
Taylor and, and Juliana, the team, the dynamic duo. I don't know. I just made that up. Um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> you know, so, and you're pretty active on all these platforms. You know, you're, you're on social trying to put this content in front of people so they understand that one, it's out there and two, how they can take advantage of it. What led to Mortar understanding that they needed to have this team contributing that content out into the world and, and having this service provided to, to the audiences that exist out there? Yeah, I think we can be grateful that we started with a someone with a background in marketing, like that the company started there, you know, because she appreciates the value of what that is. Um, but the reality is that we're a startup. And so we have to be scrappy in our, in our efforts and our and our team. And that led to I mean, social channels are a free tool for any company to get their name out there to get their product out there. And then the coolest part is that at Mortar, at least, we get to talk about other people. Like we don't have to talk about ourselves because the whole point is that we're talking about those companies and brands. So the goal was to really get that relationship built on social channels to drive it over to the Mortar platform. It's nice that our site is an imagery-driven site. So we can just take these beautiful images that our subscribers have uploaded and just translate them to our social channels. So that makes it easier for us. And Jules writes amazing copy, but the clients do all the the imagery, which is yeah so great. And why we have a high standard of what images you can upload to the site and whatnot. But I think that makes it easier for us that we just want to showcase other people and get them work. Well, I have a question about the photography. You, you mentioned having certain standards to the imagery that's uploaded. Do you ever come across a client that is that wants to be on the site, wants to showcase, but doesn't have the imagery? Are you doing anything to help them? Or are you helping them make recommendations on where they can source that content from? We are in the process of developing a photography network. We do have some on the site right now that you can go and look at their projects that they've shot and stuff. And that's been really cool to see. And it helps us get even cooler projects on the site that end users can see in the inspiration feed. We have a standard of recommendations of images that people upload. Necessarily, we don't stop them from uploading, but we won't showcase them on other features or featured placement, things like that, Yeah, unless they are up to our standard. The importance of having that photography all boils down to the fact that the, the main purpose of Martyr follows the knowledge that most of us have where these people are searching for inspiration and aesthetics first, and then they'll go find out if the specs and pricing and product will meet their needs afterwards. So right. when you're very high up in the funnel, that's the type of collateral that you need is good photography and showcasing of products. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're an imagery driven site. We're also an imagery driven society. Like mm -hmm. that photography, videography, whatever avenue you take that content is king and it's currency in today's marketing world. And so we really want our subscribers to understand the benefit of having that. Beauty. Like they work so hard and put blood, sweat and tears into these projects. We just want that to translate visually for our end users coming onto the site. And so like Taylor said, it's been cool to have, we're slowly building that photography network. We have worked one-on-one -on -one with subscribers to source photographers in their local area, just because 
as big as the world is, the marketing world is a close knit community. And so being able to find that and help them get that imagery that they can then put onto the site and put on their own social channels has been something that we're definitely building and working towards. Yeah. And all their print materials. And once you have that set of photos and you can keep adding to it over time, but once you have that, you can use those photos for years and years. I mean, an investment like that isn't just a one-time, oh, great, we're getting photos taken. It's like, now we have a library of assets we can use for ads, for social content, for case studies, for anything, right? Totally. You're talking to two photographers. So that's yeah. Like, yeah, you right. speak in our language. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We know exactly for yeah. sure the importance yep. of that. When you're doing the mortar account specifically, are you primarily doing organic content or paid content? Or are you trying to mix the two depending on what your goal is for the posts that you're putting up? Yes, to, to both. Um, yeah, we're definitely, we focus a lot on, again, startup, we're balling on a budget, but we focus a lot on the organic reach, mostly because it it's a true sense of like, whether or not you're building relationships and community, we would rather have less followers and super high engagement that's driving business back to our subscribers than an enormous following with nobody actually paying attention. And so we do do, you know, paid paid social posts have their um, and paid campaigns have their place. We love using them for sales and getting the word out to more people than we could with an organic post. But I would say that 90% of our focus is really driven into creating content for organic reach. A lot of people look to the follower count as what they believe is successful social media strategy, which is it's great if your followers are, are growing. But what you really need to see is are you getting the views because you're putting this in the right channels, hashtags or whatever? Uh, are you getting the comments, and the likes and, and clicks that you want? If those numbers are happening, the number of followers is irrelevant to the content that you're putting out. Yeah. Now, in, in theory, that could go up if you had more followers. But with platforms limiting and kind of tweaking their algorithms for what they're showing people in an organic sense, you know, you're, you're better off having really high quality content that people want to engage with to, to boost it in that algorithm than totally. just simply having a large number of people to put it in front of and they might not even see it anyways. Yeah, we would much rather have high quality followers for high quality engagement, just like we would on our site have high quality users that are actually going to use the site rather than people that sign up that never touch mortar.com again. So yeah, we want the right people to see the site. Yeah. What type of content are you guys posting that gets the best pop in the feed? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> we uh, Things about our team always land well. We we have a running joke that we've got a pretty solid mortar moms following. They like to they like to hang out in our feeds. But I think also it's the fact that we're putting a face to who they're interacting with. I think anytime that you can put yourself or your team out on your social channels, it's an opportunity for people to see that there's a human behind the emails that they're getting, behind the sales calls that they're getting, behind, you know, whatever it is, that's somebody's friend or spouse or son or, you know, whatever the post is that there's a face to it. I think that that adds value no matter where you are. So those always do really well. And then because we're that gallery based or, or gallery showcase site, the carousels and the, the galleries on the different channels always get a good, good interaction with people. They like seeing more than just one one option from whatever the project is that we're sharing. So I feel like those are the two. I don't know, Taylor, maybe you can jump in there. I I think people like seeing faces on the site for sure. We're not just a company that works out of our mom's basement. We're actually, (laughs) or some other country. We're here. We're real. We've got 
quite a few of us and people like seeing our faces too. And it's really important for like our customer service CSM team. They're really important between our subscribers and Mortar because they're our middleman. They they keep our subscribers engaged with the platform. And so I think people like to see who is handling these images, who's trying to get their company out there. And But also, I yeah, I agree. I think people love beautiful spaces. I mean, I'm scrolling through and I see a super cool office space. Yeah, I'm going to save that or I'm going to like that because I want to look at it later, you know. Yeah, I think both of those are great answers. So, putting people in the post, having faces—I mean, I can't tell you how many times when we we work with a bunch of different levels of building materials companies, distributors, manufacturers. What happens is if you get too focused on the sales posts or the producty posts, and you you take away that like real life installation feel, or the team or contractor that was involved, or this customer service rep that helped solve a problem, everyone wants to claim. Beyond just having a good product, they want to claim they have some of the best staff to help people work through things. Absolutely. If you don't put the staff in front of people publicly, why should they believe you? <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And, and honestly, social media is supposed to be social. Put a face, put a personality behind that that contributes to the brand in front of people so that they can relate to it. And it's not just sales-based messaging and posts. It's you know, it's about who we are, how we help people, and and the benefits that they get from working with a company like ours. Yeah. We've even, you know, we've kind of poked fun at our own, at ourselves or our own industry. We, you know, one of the things we've gotten a ton of engagement with is on Wednesdays, we do just in our stories, we go out and find design. I don't want to call them fails, but they're fails. They're They're, fails. fails. Um, Just some really bad, badly executed designs. And we just started using the hashtag design matters, you know, because the whole point of our site is that you don't want to end up with this as your final project and mortar can help with that. And so just kind of like having some lightheartedness within the content as well can can have a shockingly awesome impact on on your followers and their engagement with it. For sure. So speaking of the the brand, mortar has a pretty awesome brand put together and I know Taylor is very big on she said she like protecting the brand and like that's that's one thing that she's supposed to put out in the world for people two two part question how important is it for you to have that brand put together and then as a follow-up why is that how does that impact the quality of what you're doing from a social media standpoint and a content generation standpoint it's been very important from the beginning of mortar that everyone is on the same page the Social media goes along with that too, but the creative team, the accounts team, the sales team, just that all that we are on the same level, the same page. So we're constantly trying to distribute our brand materials consistently throughout all of our departments. And that is one thing, even when you're hired, like we have a set of core values that we follow and everyone believes we eat, sleep, breathe mortar. Like, I don't want to say that we do, but we actually do that. Like all of us believe so much in this brand and it is so important to show that energy because that's going to get people to fall in love with it with you like we do. And so we've tried to create this edgy. Yeah. Like Jules said, we're scrappy. We are scrappy. We do scrappy things with a small team falling on a budget, but we just create this edgy brand, this bold. We just want to, that's how we can get people's attention and how we've won a few awards at some award shows. And 
people like what we're doing. So we continue to do that. I want them to scroll through on their feeds and see like, that's a mortar post without even knowing it's mortar post. And so we try to focus on just keeping things consistent through all of our platforms, all of our departments on mortar, our website, our app, everything. We just try to keep it all bold and edgy and trying to make a statement because we are, we're new and no one's doing what we're doing in this industry. And so like we have to make a movement and we have to make a movement and people get it and understand it and like us instead of like, oh, they're, they're too strong. So you mentioned two things that are super important in that, that I thought were phrased perfectly. One was you have a strong set of values that you're basing everything off of, which is probably affecting copywriting and how you want to make everything bold and, and make a statement. And then oh. two, you want people to be able to recognize posts as mortar without actually seeing the name mortar. And that's what everyone gets caught up in. Or there's been a misconception in the past where the brand is like the logo and even maybe the fonts and colors, but it's the visual presentation and tone and, and the foundation that you're basing off of this, all of this off of from a personality standpoint that makes it feel like it without even knowing what the company is. And, you know, the example that can be easily used is like Apple. If you took the Apple logo out of a photo of like, I don't know, the old trash can uh, <laughs> computer setup, and you just had this like black photo with a, a, a piece of t- technology in it and the little rim of light shining off of it, you'd know that that's an Apple photo. Yeah, and, and, totally. And you don't need to see Apple the name. That's just, that's their style. You've seen it multiple times and, and it just makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that's really important. And, and sometimes it's difficult for people to take a step back and say, do we have all the foundational pieces also put together and documented so that all of our departments and staff and you know salespeople and executives and service people are all on the same page too, because they're the living and breathing portion of the brand. Right. We, I mean, we have our, ours written on the walls of our office. And so that's just a cool thing to, you can sit in the break room or the, we have a vault, you know, like wherever you are in the space, you're, you're taking in those core values before you're putting anything out into the world. And so, yeah, what Taylor said was, was spot on. We want the brand and the voice is how you feel when you interact with it, not mm-hmm. what the logo looks like. So that's really totally. what drives all of our all of our decisions. So when it comes to producing all of this content, what type of effort are you putting in from a planning and execution standpoint? Because I think that's really important to touch on too. If if companies are interested in in building out their social and content strategy, what types of things should they be considering from a time and preparation and production effort standpoint to consider putting together that plan? We're anywhere from day of to two months out with some of our stuff. We really do try. Taylor probably has more fires on her desk than she'd prefer some days, but she can crank stuff out like nobody else can. So we always want to be firm with the purpose, but flexible with the plan. And that helps all of our decision on the actual creation of stuff. I mean, we have a we have a team of three of us that are always writing. Um, we're writing content for different avenues at all times. We've got our internal stuff. We've got sales materials, email campaigns, social. The forum is our like where we tell our subscribers stories and industry news. And so we're constantly creating content. And we just have an insanely talented creative director, Cole Thompson, and our communications director, Jen Levison. And they just always blow me away with with what they're coming up with and wordsmithing things. And so I've taken over the social copy for the most part, but 
it truly is. We're always in base camp, bouncing ideas off of each other and, and really feeding one another's thoughts and, and where we can take things. And so that makes the, when you have something day of like, Hey, this is, and that all, a lot of that stems from all back up. A lot of that stems from being on the channels. You know, if you don't have someone dedicated to being out there and listening to what's going on, on the social channels, you're not going to know that there's a missed opportunity or something you can be speaking to, or I mean, then you're just, you're blindly publishing at that point. Right, and it doesn't, right. It's you're not so you out. lose the social. Yeah, totally. You're putting stuff out and hoping that it lands. Um, there's no, there's no science with that versus here's what's going on. Here's what we're facing. Here's something that popped up. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't work. We yeah. are constantly yeah. going through that. So yeah, people need to realize the importance of watching and seeing what people like. And if you don't have that person that's interacting every single day or going through all of the content, the different types of content, contents and seeing what works or what's not, there's like no point if you don't want to go all in. And social media, you got to go all in. You can't, you can't half it, you know? You like, can't half it. No. <laughs> Uh, so what are some of the pros and cons in committing to social media? I mean, you're talking about the commitment that it takes from a time and engagement standpoint, maybe even a creative and production standpoint, but there's a lot of benefits that you can get out of it too. Like, can you explain the trade-off for why it's really good to get into it, but what you should make sure you consider before you jump in? Um, there's been times where I'm messaging Taylor at 7 p.m. realizing that I need a graphic for the next day or something popped up that I want to, you know push out. And so it's not in, in the con, you know, not to lead with the negatives, but it's not a nine to five. Like you, I mean, we, we work nine to five, but we're also well, working at nine. Why do people nine. say nine to five? Because oh, yeah, it's eight to five. Eight to like, five. We work the, eight to five. The quick not lunch nine break. To five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Eating while producing. Um, there you go. There you no, go. You know, it's, it's a 7 PM job and a 6 AM job and a 9 PM, like, and, and even when you're not pushing stuff out, I think I can speak for Taylor and creatives. Like you're always seeing things and taking things in and being inspired and the clock never really stops. But what's so cool about it is that you get to create this community and this hub for whether it's B2B or B2C, you're creating a space for your end user, for your clients that allows a daily interaction that you're not going to get anywhere else. You can't, your sales team doesn't get to talk to these people every day your email crew. I mean, people will just click spam if it's at that point. Like your social channels are where you get to have that every single day interaction with the people that you want to be reaching. And so it keeps you front of mind. It's building business trust and it's building relationships all in one, one space. So that's yeah, they can pro be, for me. They can be really nice soft touch points that, that don't feel pressure or anything. And they're very interesting and useful but could totally aid customer service for keeping the brand relationship positive and even sales if it's someone that's you know, looking to engage with a, a brand or a manufacturer or a Absolutely. content publishing platform. Yeah. Do you guys use or have you seen any of the brands that you work with use social as a customer service platform too? You know, direct messaging is just one of those ways that people are starting to reach out to companies to see if they can like cut through the back door and get someone personal. Do you have any experience with people using that as a strategy as part of their social engagement? And if so, how can people help manage that if that's something that's happening to them? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Taylor, you're on 
Instagram probably just as much as I am like interacting with brands that you love. Like, but I think that that's a, that's a goal for us. That's something that we're working towards that people know that they can reach out to us in on those spaces. Like we're, I mean, currently it's me, myself and I that would be interacting with them um, in, in DMS or whatever, but our whole team is constantly monitoring that stuff. Who's commenting, who's sharing, who has something to say, you know, if I miss tagging one of their clients, they, they are the first to reach out and let me know. And our team has fostered that culture. But I think some people are maybe afraid of it, using it in that way, when in all reality, it's an awesome space to be able to have that one-on-one person-to-person in, in hopefully real time, you know, within that's not an email that gets lost in your inbox. That's if someone's managing it the right way, that customer service can be faster than anything they're going to get you know, elsewhere with your company. So currently we use our channels more for education and news and um, sharing our, our companies and brands. But eventually I think that that we'll see a lot more of that. And if people do reach out, like we're responding, we're passing them all until the right people. And I think some brands might be afraid to use social media as that customer service just because it may seem informal, but it's, but that also makes it like better. People are going to want to engage with somebody that wants to like answer. Like it's like, it's a conversation. And I think brands can really benefit from using social media's customer service. I mean, I've definitely reached out to companies asking a question and maybe not hear back, but we we always try to get back and point people in the right direction and try to educate them as much as we can from social media just in general. Yeah, I mean, public tagging is someone online basically giving you the opportunity to show what your brand is made of in a response. And that's yeah. a great opportunity. And then if it's a DM and a direct message, that's no different really than someone emailing you, texting or, or calling. It's just another communication platform. If you ignore it because of the stigma that Taylor brought up, which is it's it's so informal, why would we take a customer service message over Instagram? Well, it's somewhere where someone can type something and send a message right. <laughs> and it gets delivered right. to an end, an end uh, person that can help them with an answer. And you should take advantage of being able to make that a positive experience. Absolutely. But you definitely need someone that that's in tune with that and, and keeps on top of monitoring those things. And they should yeah. understand how to speak on behalf of the brand and customer service to be able to either get them off to the right contact or actually answer the question for them. Yes. Yeah. So important. What are you guys doing for Mortar to measure, you know, what metrics do you look to to say that you guys are putting out successful content and and getting that? Is it engagement? Is there something that you're actually tracking, you know, like through a platform that says like, oh, these posts are doing good because they get this type of reaction? We track weekly, I would say. We meet on Mondays as a marketing team and we go through our scorecard. And basically, successful means impressions to engagement to referrals to Mortar. So successful posts would be directing people to Mortar.com to subscribers posts, uh, just to Mortar.com in general to search office design. So basically... We we learn from that what we want to post and what works and what doesn't is if it's successful leading to mortar.com. Referrals is our main goal. 
And that's no different than a normal sales funnel to a certain degree. You know, your impressions is like getting in front of people, your clicks off to the site is your mid funnel con- conversion. And then the newsletter subscription or doing a referral mm-hmm. is your, as your sales conversion, basically. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And contact activities, the subscribers. Yeah. Which also helps guide the process of deciding what goes out on the channels at the end of the day. Like, mm-hmm. does this get to our end goal of directing the audience to our subscribers on the site? You know, what, what leads to that referral traffic for them? And I would venture to guess that most posts that deal with real life situations and installs or people are going to start rising to the top if people start adding those to their arsenal of content choices. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to building materials, manufacturers, product manufacturers, if if you had to to sum it up, why is it so important for them to have this as part of their, their marketing communication strategy for this industry, social media specifically? People want to see your product in beautiful spaces. So I think it's important once you have a product installed, get those beautiful images, you showcase them on mortar, your social media, whatever platform you choose. And then people will be inspired like, oh, I love love this flooring. I want this in my kitchen, in my office, whatever. And they want to be able to find that product. They find that product, find the pro that installed it. It's in, it's just so important to... You're trying to sell a product. People need to see it in the finished space. They don't want to just see the flooring sample on a website. Showcase yeah. Showcase your images on your social media in beautiful spaces. That's going to get people driven to buy your product, to use your product. Absolutely. I think, you know, we talked earlier about these, this generational, like passing things down, which is such a cool thing, but nobody's going to know that unless you're telling them, you know, I'm so much more inclined. I went to a donut. Well, this was a while back (laughs) because quarantine, but you know, I went to a donut shop because I saw in one of their posts that it's a fifth generation store. That's cool to me. I, that's, that's something I want to be a part of. That's something I want to support, but I wouldn't have known if it hadn't put it on their Facebook or their Instagram channel. And so really recognizing that you have to meet people where they're at and asking them, expecting them to search for you, go to your website, find your product from a broken link on Pinterest, find you on the Google, like and then expect them to make a purchase from you on your website. That's a really big ask. And in our generation, the generation above us, the generation below us is starting to, or is already using social media as that, like, as that virtual handshake or that referral platform. I don't, I don't go out to a new restaurant or a new coffee shop without first checking them out on Instagram or Facebook and, and not having a presence there also speaks volumes and it's free like it's free free marketing for you it's free interactions for the people that you you want to be interacting with well it's it's just another one of those litmus test things right if if you either hear of a company you go look them up and then you go look up and see what they're about and you know these newer generations like you said we don't just want to buy the product we want to feel like we're buying it from someone that we connect to and we relate to so if your brand isn't set up and your communication strategy isn't set up to communicate things that aren't just selling me a product to give me that extra trust in you, then I'm going to go to the person that I do get that feeling from. And social, like you said, it's a, it's a free organic way where even if you're not putting paid posts in front of people, it gives them something to go find that gives them that extra 
amount of trust and feeling that they want to go deeper into that relationship. Absolutely. You mentioned, and we've brought this up a couple of times because it's true, like this industry is growing up right now and meeting the needs of the, the newer generations. Where do you think it will go in the next couple of years? I and mean, we've already started to see the transition into digital. We're getting into more social-based content and, and more personalized content. Where do you think it can go from, from here? Well, not to bring up this terrible time that we're all in right now, but this is a great example to show you the importance of an online presence for your company. Without showcasing products and stuff that you have, your restaurant, your food, whatever, online, you're going to struggle right now because people can't see that product. They can't walk in and grab, they can't see you at a trade show, you know? And so I think right now is a good example that everyone needs to be online. Endless and different types of companies and brands need to be online. This is the only way we can show you can showcase your projects and products right now is to through a screen. And that just shows you that's where the future is going. More people are working from home. More people are staying home, you know, and this is just just like a starting point of where things are going to go. With the whole current situation, it's it's really just propelled what was already coming. We're just experiencing it faster. And there's going to be pain points there. We totally understand that. But Mortar exists to mitigate some of that. I, I love the vision of our three founders and what they saw three years ago that no one else saw and trying to usher that into a pretty rigid space of how we do things and what we do. And that's not to negate, you know, your trade shows and your print materials and all of that, but you have to be supplementing that. And I think right now is only proving that point more. And it's some of the best trackable ROI that you're going to get online. You know, you may not know, you can hand out 500 business cards at a trade show. I have no idea who's going to call me in three weeks, seven months, two years, you know, but being on online platforms, I can see right away what's working, who's interacting with me and and where my clients are, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. In the same vein, though, since it is such a data driven area online and digital, you have to remember a lot of things we talked about in this too, where you're tracking the data, but you also need to make sure the content you're putting out is a mixture of sales, personable and, and relatable things that build that trust factor too. Yes. A lot of times when you go online, because it's so measurable, we get wrapped up in what is the funnel doing? How is that giving me my ROI? Is the ROI just sales? Not always. If you break that pie apart, some of it is engagement, customer interaction and customer satisfaction along with sales. So that's one thing to keep in mind too when you're doing you know, social gets a bad rap because it, it cannot feel salesy right. sometimes. Right. And but you if you align your expectations and your goals to engagements and, and consumer trust instead of sales, then that can help you justify why you're you're keeping those recurring customers in your family so that they buy from you again the next time their purchase comes up. Yeah. Yeah. We joke about, you know, what's, what's the campaign's KPI <laughs> and figuring some of those, some of those things out. But, um, just you hit it on the head, recognizing that it's not always just about the sales funnel. It's about the overall funnel and who are you keeping inside it for those future, future interactions. Um, yeah. Building, building that. that 
that trust. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Building that trust and building that community is where you, where you need to start from. If all you're focused on is the initial sale, then there's no way you can even measure what a long-term value of a customer is. You have to keep them involved with your company to make it possible to have that long-term value for a customer. Yeah. And that's where these extra activities and communication strategies come into play. If, if there was one thing from a brand perspective that you would recommend everyone make sure that they have buttoned up right now, what would that be? Core values. You know, that's, I think what makes mortar so strong is that our core values, everyone in the departments and all the departments knows what those core values are and you follow them and you believe in them. You need people that work for you that believe in your brand. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a top down, that's a leadership charge. You have to be casting that vision effectively. Like if, if there are things falling apart, <laughs> make sure that you're looking at what am I, what am I communicating or what am I not communicating both in action and in, and in word. And so really casting that vision and getting that brand voice, which again, is not the logo, but it's your core values coming out in what you're saying and really, really nailing that so that when people experience you, they're experiencing all of your core values in within that. Yeah. Build that connection. Yeah. Yeah. That brand voice. That's a good, I agree, Jules. Yeah. Brand voice is left out so much. You know, when you think of an identity, the voice and tone and building out that persona for the brand itself is what makes good copywriting make the the designs and the imagery work for you. And, you know, you can't beat that. And that's something that gets overlooked a lot because people don't understand the value. If you have 10 different people writing for you, if you don't have the voice and tone defined, you're going to get 10 different voices. And who are they listening to at that point? Right, right, right. It's everybody talking at once. Yeah. I have a joke that, well, Cole Thompson, our creative director, I have a joke that I just make his words look cool. It's not the picture that comes first. It's like I make his words look cool. So yeah, copywriting definitely helps guide design, but design has to bring it all together or else it won't make Mm -hmm. an impact. Absolutely. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think is important to get in before we wrap up? (laughs) We covered a lot. I guess my final plug would just be, you know, don't be afraid to try new things and, and, We've done a lot of outside the box stuff just to see what reaches people. I'm so grateful for a team that's not afraid to fail and not afraid to look a little goofy in the process to see what impacts them, to see what, you know, like how they respond to stuff. And you don't know what you don't know. Like sit down with your team, have a, my husband calls them an all, all bad ideas meeting. Like literally throw everything out on the table. We'll call them all bad ideas until one of them feels like a good idea and and try it out because it's done a lot of really cool stuff for our brand. And in the process, we've had fun with the fails. So, you know, it's a win-win. At, at Luminous, we have a turkey trophy that we put on the table and whoever has the <laughs> stupidest idea gets the turkey trophy at the end. <laughs> but I, I agree with Jules and you don't, I don't think you should be like, if you don't think you have the budget for social, you do just, everyone has that. We, you can make it work and just put the time into it. Like it takes a lot of time. You have to be prepared to be scrolling at 7 PM, liking prospective clients, 
posts and stuff like that to try to get them to follow you. And yeah, so you don't think you have the budget, you do. Just put the time in. The time is your budget, basically. You have to start somewhere. Yep. Before we go, why don't you guys plug Mortar? And then if you want to let people know where they can find you both as well, because you're so awesome and they want to connect with you. Okay, well, you can you can follow Mortar on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at, at Mortar, and on Twitter at, at Mortar Design. And then you can follow me on LinkedIn, Taylor Freel. Uh, you can probably spell my or find my spelling somewhere on the landing page of this podcast. <laughs> and then on Instagram at, at Taylor Freel. You can find me on LinkedIn, Juliana Argis. Hoping that's spelled as well for you somewhere on the landing page. And then I am Jumpseat Jewels on Instagram. Would love to hang out with you there. But really, we hope to see you all on the Mortar platform. Get to hang out with you in our space. Yeah, I will link to Mortar, its profiles and your guys' profiles on the episode page. This was super cool. Thanks for coming on. It's been educational and funny. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Tim. This was super awesome. Thank you for reaching out. I love what you guys are doing. If you're interested in hearing more stories and strategic insights from industry experts, please subscribe to the Building Brands podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. If you've enjoyed this episode, please post a review and share with others who may be interested as well. Thanks for listening.